You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. So if you were here last week, you know we started a brand new series called Ghost Stories, and we introduced the Holy Spirit, not as an idea or a concept, but as a person, as a real person who does real things, who has real attributes, just like God, right? So I want to start with something a little funny. Um, who likes dad jokes? That's what I'm talking about. So why didn't the ghost eat his candy? He just didn't have the stomach for it, which is, y'all laugh a little bit more than that. I do have one for all the single people. Any single people in the room? We got one, AJ. So, um, are you a ghost? Because you look like my boo. So you can use that. That would be good for you. Man, we are in the season of, of ghost and spirit and Halloween and all that. And man, all that's cool. Um, I'm not against dressing up. Um, but what I want us to really understand is that the spirit that matters is the Holy Spirit. What I want us to understand is that no matter what season it is, the Holy Spirit is still the Holy Spirit and He still does what the Holy Spirit does. Like We don't have to wait for some special season for the Holy Spirit to work, right? He works. That's what He does. And I'm excited. Last week we introduced just the, the reality and how we can experience the Spirit. This week we're going to discuss some things that the Spirit does for us. And then next week we're going to end this series and we're going to see how we can actually live empowered by the Holy Spirit in a real and practical way in our life. Um, I hope your week went well. And one of the, the big things from last week was the, the Holy Spirit, God, right, has a hold of us. And we don't really experience the reality and the power of the Holy Spirit because we don't grab a hold of Him. So I challenged everyone throughout the week to give yourself more and more to the Spirit to grab a hold of the Spirit more and more in your life. And I'm pray, praying that you guys experience that in your life. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8. Paul mentions the Holy Spirit over a hundred times in the New Testament. And he wrote most of the New Testament. In Romans chapter 8, he mentions the Holy Spirit at least 19 times. So we're going to go to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to see what Paul says about the Holy Spirit. And this is important. For us because this is what the Spirit does in the life of a believer. And if you're in this room and you're a believer, you can say, hey man, this is awesome. If you're in this room and you haven't taken that step and you're not a believer, you can still say, this is awesome because this is what I can look forward to when I make the decision to follow Jesus. And we're going to start in Romans 8 verse 1. And this is a verse that we say here a lot. It says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We say that a lot. We talk about the whispers of the enemy and he wants to, he wants to condemn you. And now as a child of God, he says, hey, there's no condemnation for you because you're mine. But what we don't do is we don't go to verse 2. And I want to read verse 2 this morning because verse 2 is really important. And verse 2 says, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. This is what Paul's saying. Is there's no condemnation 
because the Spirit has set you free. That's the reason. There's no condemnation because the Spirit has set you free. What does the Spirit set you free from? Two things. Freedom from the guilt of sin and freedom from the power of sin. Right? He says, hey, there's no condemnation. Like the, the guilt that the enemy wants you to live with, he has given you freedom over that guilt. The power of sin, which leads to death, he's given you victory over that as well, because He is the Spirit of life. So this is important for us to understand that the Spirit is the reason that there's no more condemnation. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't really matter how you feel about yourself. The Spirit has set you free from the guilt of your past, the guilt of your present sin, the shame that you face as a, as a human being with the flesh that we have. He set you free from that guilt and that shame. And He set you free from the power of sin. And if, if we're going to be honest in this place, the power of sin is strong. Amen? If we try to overcome the power of sin on our own, we will fail. Which is the reason that God sent Jesus on the rescue mission to start with. Because He knew that in and of ourselves, we didn't have the power or the ability to, to do anything about the sin in our life. And he said, well, hey, I have a plan, and the plan is Jesus. Jesus is going to go on a rescue mission. He's going to live a perfect life. He's going to overcome sin. He's going to die on the cross and take upon the sin of the world. He's going to defeat death three days later, and then he's going to ascend back to heaven. But hey, when he goes back, he's going to send a helper, and the helper is the Holy Spirit. It all works together. It's all tied together in this process of salvation. God has done everything necessary for you to be saved and for me to be saved. He's done everything. If you're taking notes, write this down. Our status hasn't just improved with Jesus. It's been completely transformed. I think a lot of times what we do is we think, hey, so we're a little better off now because we have Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, no, you're not just a little better off. You're completely transformed because of the Spirit of God. You're not just a little better. Actually, you're not any better. You're just completely transformed because your sinfulness is now overcome with the righteousness of God. But what we like to do is we like to say, hey, so I, I was a sinner. I was a horrible person. I found Jesus and now I've improved a little bit. And man, that's such a mistake for us. And it's, it's so dangerous because then when we realize that we haven't really improved that much, we begin to, to kind of go back into our old life because it's like, then what am I even doing? And, and God says, hey, that's not how it is. You're not just a little better. You're completely different. You're completely transformed. The heart of Jesus is now inside of you because you've given your heart and your life to Him. Verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life. And peace. Here's another thing the Spirit does is He changes our mindset. Because our mindset likes to be on this world, on the flesh, on the things that uh, the kingdom of, of darkness, 
likes to throw our way, and we don't, we don't necessarily, especially as non-believers, we don't think on things of the Spirit. I don't know if you've ever tried to have a conversation with someone who isn't a professing believer, right? They haven't given their life to Jesus, and you're trying to explain some things spiritually to them, and they, they just don't get it the same way you get it. And I want you to know that's because you have the Spirit of God inside of you, and they don't. I'm not saying that they're, they're dumb because they don't get it. I'm saying that we only get it because of the Spirit. It's not because we just understand it on our own. The Spirit reveals to us things that non-believers, they don't experience those same revelations in their life. The Spirit does that kind of work. He changes your mindset. You say, well, what is the, what is the mind of the Spirit, and in Galatians 5, we see the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these good things, right? That's the fruit of the Spirit. And we don't have time to break this down, but these aren't individual fruits. This is the fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit lives within you, you receive all of this. You don't just receive one, and then maybe a couple months later, you receive another one, and then parents are like, yeah, so I don't have a lot of those with my kids. It's not like when your kids grow up that then you get these fruits, right? It's one-time deal. You get the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the problem. We don't exercise these, these fruits, these gifts, because we don't allow the Spirit to work. You have them. As a believer, you have the fruit of the Spirit. And what Paul is saying is, hey, we need to think about those things. Don't think about all this worldly stuff. We need to think about the things of the Spirit. We need to focus on the things of the Spirit. And that leads to life. Romans 12, later in this letter, Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul says, if you want to be different, you don't change your heart. And we've talked about this, right? That when we become a Christian, our heart is already replaced. So we're not getting a better heart. We already have it. We live the same way because our mind is still focused on the things of the world. That's why Paul doesn't say, hey, change your heart. Paul says, no, change your mind. Allow the Spirit to renew your mind. So when you're thinking all these negative things about yourself or you're listening to all these rumors or this condemnation is coming down on you and you begin to believe it, Paul says, hey, no, why don't you believe what God says about you? Why don't you renew your mind? Allow the Spirit to speak spiritual things into you. That you're a child of God. That you're beautiful. That you have a purpose. That He has a plan for your life. That He's given you gifts. That you have a calling why don't you believe that stuff think on the spiritual not on the flesh be changed by the renewal of your mind if you want to experience transformation in your life then it starts right here because this is the battleground and the enemy knows where the battleground is he's not trying to get here He's trying to get up here because he knows if he can get in that, in that mind and those thoughts that he can control the direction of your life. Number two is this. The direction of your thoughts determines the destination of your life. Paul says to set your mind. 
That means that you're, you're, you're focused on something. You're setting your attention to something. You're setting the path. So the direction of your thoughts really determines the destination of your life. Where are you going to go? And if you follow the, the flesh and you think about the things of this world that will pass away, that have no eternal value, then that's what you get. That is your destination. That you've, you've invested all your time and all your energy into things that will pass away. And Paul says, hey, why don't you set your mind on spiritual things? That's how you could be transformed. Set your mind on eternal things, things that matter eternally. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have stuff and that you shouldn't invest. And, and I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying that our top priority should be on God, that our focus and our alignment should be Him and eternal things, not temporal things of this world, because they will pass away. Verse 8 says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If you're living out of the Spirit, in the flesh, you can't please God. You, however, he's talking to the believer, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But, if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life through His Spirit who dwells in you. And I, I don't really have a point for this. I just wanted you to see that Scripture teaches that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that lives in you. That's the point. I don't, there's no special cool little sentence to come up with. The sentence says, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you as a believer. Believe that. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you as a believer. And it gives you life where sin only brings death. It brings you life where being driven by the flesh only brings destruction. Verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. See, the Spirit brings us into the family of God. And it talks about adoption here. And this is what theologian Lee Bruce said this. In the Roman world of the first century A.D., an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to perpetrate his name and inherit his estate. He was no wit inferior in status to a son born in the ordinary course of nature. And he goes on to say that all of the debt that the adopted son owed was wiped away clean. And Paul says, hey, you're adopted into the family of God by the Spirit. Number three is this, we are children of God by way of adoption, not by way of achievement. There's nothing that we can do to achieve the status of a child of God. We are children of God by the adoption of the Spirit. And when we are adopted into the family of God, it's not that we're inferior to, to His family, right? His real family by nature, which Jesus is His only begotten Son. We're taught that we become co-heirs with Christ. 
that we, that we get to experience all of the glory. But Paul will go on to say in this chapter that although we experience all the glory, that we must also be willing to participate in all the suffering. And a lot of pastors don't like to talk about this part because this part's not fun. Right? Paul says, hey, so we're going we're gonna to experience glory. It's going to be great, but I want you to know that there's going to be suffering in your life as a Christian. There's going to be suffering in your life. Jesus suffered. And if we're going to experience the glory as a son of God, we're going to experience the suffering as a son of God as well. And man, it, it doesn't mean that He doesn't love us. It doesn't mean that He's not for us. Actually, it's the opposite. He does love us. And there's a reason for the suffering. There's a reason for the pain. There's a purpose in the process even though we don't see it all the time. But right after he talks about the suffering, he says, hey, so there's nothing, nothing bad enough that even compares to the glory that we will get one day in eternity in heaven. That all these afflictions that we face here, none of it compares to the glory we get to experience with our Savior one day, forever, and ever, and ever, and ever. That's my, my son's favorite thing to say right now. It's like, hey man, you going to take a nap? Yep, forever and ever. And I'm like, well, that's not, don't do that. Your mama will freak out, right? Don't take a nap forever. But man, forever and ever and ever and ever. It's the song that never ends, man. We get to, we get to experience glory forever. And forever so hard. To understand because everything we know ends. Everything we've ever experienced ends. There will be an end point to everything in this world that we experience. And when we begin to think about eternity and forever, man, that gives me chills. I don't understand it. I don't see, like, I think I can understand the thousand years. That's cool. But then it's like, yep, well, then it keeps going. And then my mind starts to just get blown like I'm not smart enough to understand this forever thing except that it's just forever right it just keeps going and going and going but I want you to know that the spirit adopts you into the family of God and when you're adopted into the family of God you got it man you're not just some some step kid to God you are his child and man once we believe that that God really loves us that he really is our father that He really wants to bestow blessings upon us and we will experience suffering because we are in the family of God and the Bible teaches that the world will hate us because they hated Him. There's sin in this world and because of the fallen nature of the world, we will experience suffering. It's just part of it, man. I just want you to know that it's part of it. I would feel like such an incomplete pastor if I didn't tell you the truth. That yeah, man, it's glorious. We are a part of the family of God. The Spirit does adopt us. And there's this affliction that we face. It is light and momentary, but it still hurts and it's still real. Right? I don't want you to think that it's not going to hurt and that it's not going to be real and that you're not going to feel this pain and the suffering. You're going to feel it. It's going to hurt. 
That's why we talk about community so much here because we need people to do life with. We need to be in groups together so that we can take those steps of faith, so that we can cry together, so we can pray together, so we can celebrate together. Depending on what kind of group you are, so we can fight together, right? Like, I don't know, whatever, whatever we do in our groups, whatever happens in groups stays in groups. But man, our groups matter because we need each other. And we are children of God by way of adoption, not by way of of achievement, man. There's nothing we can do. You can try to work your way to heaven, and I'm telling you, you will stand before Him one day, and He will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. There is a way that we can have confidence in our salvation, and it's saying, hey God, I can't do this, and I know you've done it for me. I want to give my life to you. You don't have to clean yourself up. He's not asking for you to clean yourself up. There's people all in this room who Jesus had to go deep to grab out of some nastiness. Amen? There's some people that, man, if we looked at them, we'd say, hey, God don't want them. And God says, hey, shut up, right? I do want them. Like, those are the ones I want. I want to pull them up. And he didn't say, hey, man, you need, to, you need to take a bath. You need to clean up. You need to stop cussing. You need to stop doing this. You need to stop. He didn't say none of that. He said, hey, give me your life. I want you. I want to adopt you into my family. And my spirit, man, we'll, we'll get you cleaned up a little bit. And he wants to clean us all up, right? We're all dirty. We're all nasty. We're all messy. And he says, hey, but I love you. And I want you to be mine. And there's nothing greater. There's nothing greater than when we say, I can't. I can't do it anymore. Like, I can't face this life by myself anymore. I need Him. And maybe you're sitting in here and you don't even know that's what you need. Maybe you're sitting in here and you're like, I, I don't even know if that's what I need. But I need something. And I want to encourage you that, man, He is it. He is the hope. He is the strength. He is the way. It doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect. It means that He's going to be with you through the mess and through the chaos. Because He adopts you into His family. And He's a good, good Father. Verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So when we begin to doubt in here that we belong to Him, the Spirit says, No, you do belong to me. He bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. And then in verse 26, and, and this, is, this is a big deal. I'm going to try to explain this in a way that we can all understand because it's confusing. And it took me a long time to understand this, but it says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And this is, this is what I want you to know generally about this, is that the Spirit not only gives hope for the future, He also gives help in the present. That it's not just some hope that we can look forward to, that is help right now. It says that He helps us in our weakness. Like, that makes sense, right? We're weak, He helps us in our weakness. 
But then it says that when we, when we pray, and we pray for things we ought not to, or we don't know what we should pray for, that He intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Like He intercedes for us. So I think this means a couple things. One is that oftentimes we pray for stuff and God says, that ain't what you need. And the Spirit is interceding for us saying, hey, he, he don't mean that. Like he, he thinks that's what He wants, but that's not what He means. This is what He really means. And I also think it means that we don't pray in a way that understands the power of God. So the Spirit is interceding for us saying, hey, they don't even know the words to use right now, but I'm interceding for them. This is what they need. Because I understand the power of God because I am God as, as the Holy Spirit. And He intercedes for us as we pray for things like, hey, please help me to have a good night's sleep. Right? That's a good prayer. We all want that. Right? Especially parents with little kids. We're like, please let them sleep to at least 7 o'clock because I don't want to be up at 545. It makes no sense. Like, I just don't. That's not of God. And the Spirit says, hey, and that's a good prayer, but here, here's something even better because God doesn't just want you to get a good night's sleep. He wants you to raise your kids to know Jesus. So let's, let's get on this level of, of power that God wants to bestow upon you through the Holy Spirit. He's interceding for us in ways that we don't have a clue. And then, here's the third way. I think that there are times... That we just don't have words. There are times where we just, we're so broken, we're so hurt, we're so confused, we just don't have words. And some people think, well, man, if I'm not saying something, if I don't have the words, then is my prayer really getting to heaven? There is no prayer. Like, I don't even know what to say. And the Spirit is inside of us interceding for us because He knows those wounds. And He knows that hurt. And He knows that brokenness. And He's interceding for us to the Father. And He's saying, hey, man, Dustin is so hurt right now. He doesn't even know the words. God, you know what He's going through. You know how He's feeling. And I don't have to say that. Because the Spirit is interceding for me. Because I don't even have the words to say. I let that encourage you this morning. That even when you don't even know what to say, that the Spirit intercedes for you as a believer. We're going to close this morning with this. But this all boils down to one thing. Have you given your life to Jesus or not? Because we talk about the Spirit, and last week we talked about who the Spirit was and that the Spirit is God. The Spirit is personable. The Spirit is powerful. That there's some factors for us that play into how we experience the Spirit. But the number one thing is this. If we're not following Jesus, the Spirit does not live within us. And if you want to experience these things, if you want to experience freedom from the guilt of sin and from the power of sin, if you want to experience a transformed life by the renewing of your mind, by thinking on spiritual things, if you want to be adopted into the family of God, and man, if you want help for now, hope for the future, hope for the present, then it starts 
with taking the step of giving your life to Jesus. It starts with saying, hey, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Because of my sin, it has separated me from God. And I believe that God has done everything necessary for my salvation. I believe that He sent Jesus on a rescue mission for me. I believe that when Jesus pushed up on His nail-pierced feet and said, it is finished, that that counted for me. Somehow it counted for me. This dirty, sinful person, it counted for me. And I'm, I'm confessing that He is who He says He is. And I'm committing to follow Him wherever He leads me. And I have no idea what that looks like. But I'm willing to commit my life to Him. And in that moment, when you make that decision, you are filled with the Spirit. And all this stuff we've been talking about, it applies to you. It applies to you. And if you don't make that decision, then it's something that you can look forward to. But man, looking forward to stuff, that, that's a little dicey. Man, you have the opportunity in this place to give your life to Jesus. And I don't want to make this sound like it's, it's, it's some magical thing. It's not a magical thing. It's a spiritual thing. And yeah, there's, there's nothing we can do. I talked to the, the high school football team this week. And man, my, my message was this, that we like to fight. We like to work. We like to succeed. We like to win. I'm the same way, man. I don't want to lose. And I even told them, hey, people say it's not about winning. It is about winning. Like, we want to win. Hey, let's just be honest. We want to win. Nobody likes to lose. If you like to lose, you shouldn't be playing. Like, that's, that's how I feel. Like, don't play Monopoly with me. It ain't going to be fun for you probably. Like, I want to win everything. I'm not the parent that lets my kids win. Like, I'm just not going to do it. They'll have to learn how to win on their own. But we work, right? We do summer workouts. We do two-a-days. We, we run stairs. We do up-downs. We do bear, bear crawls. All of that, we do that. Not because we want to do it. It's because we want to get better and because we want to win. But the one thing in life that you don't have to work hard for is salvation because God already worked. Because God already did it for you. He's already won the battle. You don't have to work for that. You don't have to fight for that. You actually say, hey, I surrender. I can't do it. It's the opposite of everything we've ever learned in this world. We say, man, I just can't. I can't do what needs to be done. I need you. And when we make that decision, the Holy Spirit and He indwells our lives. We get all of Him. We begin to give Him more and more of us as time goes on. The process of sanctification takes place where we're being made more and more like Christ. And then we get to live empowered by the Spirit. So man, don't miss, don't miss next week as we close this, this little loop about the Spirit in your life. But none of that matters. None of that matters unless you have given your life to Jesus. 
Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.